Good morning. Well, Joel said this was supposed to be the last message where he said this is the last message in the series. And I'm going to tell you, it's supposed to be the last message in the series. I got my teaching assignment about a, a month ago and, you know, I had every intention in getting started on it early, but the month got away from me. I was down at a conference at my pastoral counseling load this uh, over the past month was really, really heavy. So I'm not real sure how the next 25 minutes is going to go. Um, so, you know, and, and it hasn't helped if you've been around. Donnie has, the lead pastor has shared that he likes to scare people, right? Specifically me. So my own need for counseling has been escalated as well. And it didn't help that as I was preparing for this on Wednesday, I get out to my car and in my window is this little piece of paper with chicken scratch, which you can't see, but it says, never turn your back. <laughs> he should have looked on the back. I didn't have to guess too hard. It's a, it's a bill with his name on it. <laughs> so yeah, the next 25 minutes. I mean, I'm not trying to give excuses Actually, I am. And if you haven't been able to tell, today is about excuses. I quit making excuses. And if you listen closely, we have a lot of excuses. It starts when we're real young. When I was a kid, you know, it's at school with your homework, and it would be the dog ate my homework. But kids are much more creative these days. A math teacher told me that, uh, her student said, I couldn't get the homework done yesterday because my calculator is solar powered and it was cloudy yesterday. <laughs> Where did he come up with that? Uh, but th- it doesn't stop when we go or we become adults. NPR did a, a kind of a lighthearted story this past February. A follow on to Career Builder did some surveys around tardiness and absenteeism. And talking about how the well-worn excuses that we use in our places of employment, they're still happening. But there are some doozies out there. One uh, employee came to an employer because he'd been late. And he says, my wife and I have been in, in an argument the past few days. And last night, she froze my keys in a glass of water. And I had to wait until it thawed before I could drive my car into work. Creative, right? How do you think of these things? And if you need one and you can't think of one, if you have a smartphone, there's an app for that. (laughs) Seriously, there's a lot of apps for that. I was going to pull one up and, and read to you, but you can be real creative. The thing is, is I don't think people will buy your excuses or my excuses. Because often, the only people that are satisfied with the excuses are the ones who make the excuses. And so maybe you have found yourself over the past few weeks making some excuses as we've been looking at this series called I Quit. Maybe you have felt God calling you to begin something new or maybe to stop doing something. And you know what he has to say. You've looked at the scriptures, but there's something in you that says, I'm not going to do it. Despite what God's word says, I'm not going to apply it to my life. 
deep down you feel that call to change, to do something different. But then there's those words that we often use, I can't. I can't quit. I can't forgive. I can't love again. I'm going to fail. Well, most failures happen with people who fall into this pattern of giving excuses over and over again. And so today's big idea, and I kind of want to throw it out at you right now, the thing I want you to walk away with and and let kind of ruminate within you is this. When I quit making excuses, I make myself available to God. When I quit making excuses, I make myself available to God. Because no matter where you are on your faith journey, whether you're new into the faith, whether you haven't even taken that step into God's kingdom, or you're decades down the road as a Christ follower, we can all fall trapped to making excuses. And if you're like me, when I make an excuse, it tends to be the loudest thing within me. It's like the volume has been turned up on high, and no matter who is speaking wisdom into my life, I almost render myself unavailable because my voice is greater than anyone else's. And today we're going to look at a leader that God was calling to do something. And I think you're really going to relate to this this leader because this leader was fearful. This leader did compare himself to others. And so we get to peer into his story and see, what did he do? He was called by God to do something. Did he do it? Or did he have excuses? And so I want to get that story in your hand. So ushers, if you will come down. Ushers have Bibles. If you do not have a Bible this morning, we want you to have one. So just signal to them. They'll give you a Bible. If you don't have one, it's yours to keep. It's a gift from the church to you. But the leader we're going to look at this morning is a young farm boy, an Israelite, and his name is Gideon. And you can go to the Old Testament, the book of Judges, six chapters 6, 7, and 8. And his story is there. I believe it's page 169 in those Bibles that we just handed out. But Gideon, he's young, and here's, here's the scene. Here's what's going on. The Israelites have gotten to the promised land. They were promised that they would get this land. God gave it to them. It was a long journey there, but they are there. They have conquered most of their enemies, but not all of their enemies. And that was a slight problem because what was happening was those area nations around them, they would often invade the Israelites. They would oppress them big time. When they tended to plant their crops, then their neighbors, and at the time of the story, it's the Midianites, they are coming in and they would ruin and ravage everything. And so the Israelites were so scared of these folks, they were hiding in caves. They would do their farming in secret. It was so bad, they cried out to God because they hadn't done that in a long time. And they cry out to God. And God sends an angel, and the angel comes upon, uh, comes upon Gideon as he's secretly doing some farming. Stuff that normally is done out in the open, he is secretly 
threshing wheat. And here's what the angel says, chapter 6, verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Gideon, God wanted Gideon to do something. It's a huge task. But I'm thinking that if God comes and tells me to do something, the creator of the universe, we ought to listen, right? This isn't just some friend that's asking for a favor. But look at Gideon's response. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but. So God says, I got something for you to do. And Gideon says, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that, but I can't. And he gives them excuses. And this is the part of the story that I can relate to. And I'm guessing that you can relate to Gideon as well. This idea of feeling a call to do something, begin something, change something. But there's this excuse. And if today is about stopping those excuses, then what we need to do is stop pouring all of our energy and time and upholding that excuse and starting to look again at what God is calling us to do. What is he calling you to do? That's a big question. Some of you have felt that pull even before this series started. You felt God really talking to you about something going on in your life. Maybe this series has confirmed that or for some It is to stop living in fear, to stop comparing yourself with one another. But for you, you've stayed kind of in those excuses and excuses stop the progress. And so what you need to know as we look at this, what does God want me to do? Staying the same is not an option. For those that follow Christ, God is going to change you. And the fact you have to know is God wants to change you, but Satan will say, stay the same. God wants to transform you. Satan says, why do you want to do that? God's big. He's got it under control. Don't worry about that thing you're feeling him call. He's calling you to do. He's, he's got it. The evil one will say, hey, You're thinking something has to be different about you. God created you. You're good. Why do you want to change that? The fact is, those that follow Christ, God is all about transforming us every day, every moment till we meet him in heaven. Paul reminds us of this very fact when he's telling the Christians in Corinth, about their new life in Christ. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, the Christian walk is about being changed by God. It's not about staying the same. Excuses keep us staying in the same spot. But when you make yourself available to God, he changes you for your good, the good of others, and for the greater kingdom, for God's greater kingdom. 
And so the question comes down to, what is God calling you to do different? Maybe it's to begin a relationship with him. Maybe it's to be the spiritual leader of your family. Maybe it's to be baptized. You are a Christ follower, but there's always been an excuse. You've looked at the scriptures. We've done uh, messages on why you should be baptized. And you've always wanted to do that, but there's always been an excuse. Maybe you need to pay attention to your health. Maybe it's something in your social life has to change. But what is it? Because following God is about transformation. And I hope that you start to write down on your notes just keywords of what is it that God is calling you to do because what's not an option is staying the same. Christ followers don't stay the same from the moment they accepted Christ to the time they are with him in heaven. Hopefully you are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. The easy question is arriving at the what is God calling you to do? But I think a tougher question is, why do you want to do it? Why do you feel that this change, this something new is needed? Not just the general why, but the spiritual reason. on Why do you feel that you have to do this? What is the God reason for you to do this? Because when you connect the what with the why... There is power. There is motivation in that when you arrive there. So what is the spiritual reason for why or what you're feeling called to do? Some of you say, I I need to take better care of my body. Why? Well, because my doctor told me to. It's a good reason. Doctors do speak wisdom. So, yeah, listen to your doctor. Well, but why? What's the spiritual reason? You know, I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel it myself. I probably should do something. Correct. You should. Your body will speak to you. But what happens when your body starts to feel better? What are you going to do then? Are you going to continue to take care of it? How about the spiritual reason? Being, as a Christ follower, this body is a temple for God's spirit. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells his believers. So how about saying, I will respect this body. I will take care of it so that I can bring honor to my Lord who my body is a temple for. That's the God reason. Some of you said, you know, I want to start something new in my neighborhood or my work. Or I I would like to start serving at church. So the question is, why? Well, because I'm good at it and I love how I feel when I serve. I won't argue with that. But why would God want you to do that? How about God has gifted all believers with special gifts. And he has given you special gifts and opportunities and experiences to go do what you think you're being called to do so that you can love on other people Provide the need that they have in the name of Jesus, hoping someday to be able to share about your Savior, their biggest need. What is it? And why why are you being called to do it? Because oftentimes what you want 
and what God wants are the same. But here's the problem. When you attribute it to you versus God, you'll approach it completely differently. What you want and what God wants may be the same. But you see, God wants you to do it for him, for his glory, for his honor. When Gideon was called, I left out part of the verse. If you look at verse 14 again, the angel says, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon was called by God, why? To save others, to go out and act on behalf of others, for the good of others. You may want to make changes. We talked about changes in your social life. You say, well, you know, I've been drinking too much. My wife's been on my back. Okay. It's probably a good thing you need to listen to your wife. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm doing it. She'll be happier. Okay, well, what happens when it's a good day around the house? Or are you just going to go back to whatever? Oh, I see. What is the spiritual reason? Again, how about as a Christ follower? The spirit of God dwells in you. So evidence of the spirit flowing through you. The Bible talks about the fruit of God's spirit. One of the things is self-control. And so if you are just getting drunk, is that self-control? Is the world seeing evidence of God? And I'm not trying to guilt people, but turn it this way. Lord, I know where I'm going to go if I start drinking, but I'm done with me. I need you to flow through me. And when that happens, people are going to see self-control, peace, contentment. And then they'll go, that person's different. I want to know. I want to know the God that that person follows. That's the spiritual reason behind the change. Some of you say, I just got to start pursuing God more than I'm pursuing a a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a potential boyfriend and girlfriend. Why? Because maybe if I stop searching, it will finally happen. Well, you're coming to the table with expectations again. How about the spiritual reason saying, Lord, help me to arrive at the spot. I am a believer in you. Help me to arrive at that spot where I can say, Lord, no matter what's going on in my life, if my expectations and my desires are here, but my actual experience is over here, help me to live a life that shows the world my Jesus, my Savior is my all in all and can make me content no matter what. That's what I want. Because others will take notice when they see that. When God is the author, the source of the change, all of a sudden the excuses start to melt because the motivation is God that's calling you to do it. Gideon knew what he was called to do, why he was called to do it. And the part I like, or the part that I can relate with Gideon is, is that he still was reluctant. He still was hesitant because he said, yeah, but let's look at those excuses that he had. Judges 6, verse 15. Remember, he said, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? 
my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon has no confidence at all. He gives two excuses, fame and fortune. Listen, I'm the poorest of the families. My tribe is the weakest of the tribes, and I am the weakest in my family. There's no way that I can do this. You see, if I was more socially famous, then I'd be more spiritually useful. That's nonsense. Gideon didn't need money. He didn't need fame. What he needed was God. What you and I need, our greatest need is not self-confidence. It is God-confidence. Not self-confidence, but God-confidence. Of course, if we look at our own life like Gideon looked at his life, I, I come to the same conclusion. I can do nothing apart from God. My actions are just vain. I can't do much without him. And Paul reminds us of where our confidence and our competence comes from. Chapter 2 of Corinthians, uh, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. As you prepare to stop the excuses, you might start to see your flaws and your failures, but God doesn't see like you do. God looks beyond the external to the internal, to the potential, to the possibilities. It's a pattern you see over and over in scripture where God uses the least likely of people the common people like you and me, he uses them to accomplish his will. Our greatest need is not self-confidence, it's God-confidence. And so are you looking at who you are or who God is as you start to go down this path of quitting or beginning something? Are you seeing you or are you seeing God? Are you seeing your limitations, your weakness? Or you're looking at the truth of God working in his power through you? Because God kept saying, I am giving you this victory, Gideon. It is yours, but I'm the one that's giving it to you. And he really ratcheted it up here. He, he, he made the, the situation look impossible which again, for some of you, you're looking at impossible you know, things. Some, the, the thing before you seems impossible. To Gideon, it was impossible. Because God wanted to get this across so much. He said, Gideon, Gideon had gotten the troops together. He had 32,000 people there to go to battle. And God said, too many people. You go to battle with that many, you're going to think that you won. The victory was yours. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Tell all of those that, of the 32,000 that are scared or afraid to leave. There was actually a military law that said those that were fearful can exit because they didn't want troops to get in battle and get others scared. So they said, all right, tell them. If they're scared, leave. 10,000 were left. And you figure, all right, well, you know, we know the Midianites, it is really bad. 10,000 is like barely able to t- do something. And God said, 
still too many. You're still going to think that you and your troops did this. So he, he does this odd kind of, um, it's a test and a, a, a kind of another way he divides out the people. He says, Gideon, have the people go to the water and, and, and to draw out some water. And here's what I want you to do. Those that get on their knees to draw the water, put them over here in this group. And those that kind of draw out the water in their hands and lap it like a dog, I want you to put them in another group. Well, only 300 went into the group that was lapping it like a dog. And God said, I want you to go to battle. What do you think? With the 300. Gideon, he's still a little scared. God gives him another sign. But Gideon eventually, I wonder if this is where we get the giddy up. Because he eventually goes, let's go to the 300. Let's giddy up. We're going to battle. With those 300 men, he said, God has given us the victory. God has given him promises, power, and his presence. And what you need to hear today, even if you're facing what appears to be the impossible, is as a Christ follower, you have God's power, his promise, and his presence, just like Gideon did. That is a reality in those that call themselves Christ followers and truly have placed their faith in Christ. Peter reminds us of this very thing when he was talking to Christians saying, listen, this is how you are to live out as a Christ follower, despite being surrounded by the complexities and the suffering going on in life. He says this in Second um, Peter, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power, God's divine power has given us Everything, everything. It doesn't say some things, almost everything you need. He's given you everything we need for a godly life, a life that God is calling you to. He's asking you to do something. He's given you everything you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. That is a reality for you if you're a believer. The power of God's word and his promises are right here. Are you feasting on these? The power and the presence dwell in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Same ones that Gideon had. And if you've never stepped into the family of God, you're not sure what it means to be a Christ follower. Those promises can be yours too. They are a gift from God through Jesus Christ. But gifts have to be accepted. And open. And if you want to talk more about that, that's what on the orange What's Up card says, want to know more about becoming a Christ follower. Check that. Or better yet, come down. I'll hang out after the service and just talk and, and pray with you more about that. But for Gideon, the excuses stopped and he made himself available to God. And for you, hopefully today, the excuses stop and you start to do and make yourself available for what God wants to do with you. Because if you are willing, he will use you. He called Gideon. He equipped Gideon. He strengthened Gideon. Despite all of his weaknesses, God used him. Think about that thing that God is calling you to change, to start, to be different, to be transformed. What is it? Look at your notes. What is that thing? And imagine... God working in you and the impact it can have on you, 
your family. I don't know what God's calling you to do on your church family, your work, your neighborhood. And more importantly, the honor and the glory that God gets as you do and be obedient and trust him to carry out what he's calling you to do. I pray today is a time that you quit making the excuses. I quit making the excuses as well. I'll join you. And that we get our confidence from God, allowing him to transform us as we step out in faith. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that your word um, helps us understand that even you know today we're called to do your will. And uh, there have been people that have gone before us that we can so relate to. And um, may we learn from Gideon's uh, experiences and realize what we have in Christ and step out in faith, doing your will for your honor, your glory forever and ever. Amen.